Recorded live in the Phantasmo Lounge, high atop the Robert McCall building in beautiful Midtown Portsmouth, Virginia, it's Phantasmo After Dark with your host, Rob Floyd, and co-host, Phyllis Floyd. Tonight's topic, The Wicker Man. Come. It is time to keep your appointment with The Wicker Man. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the old podcast. Hey, Phyllis. Hey, Rob. We're in the lounge tonight on this dreary May Day. <laughs> Yes, this won't post on May Day, but we watched The Wicker Man on May yeah. Day. And what else are you going to watch on May 1st? Beltane, if you will. Indeed. Something, you know, this is one of those that I want to watch on May Day every year, but we never end up, end watching up being it. too busy or or forgetting about it, that it's uh, what date it is, you know. And uh, like last night, I wanted to watch La Noche de Walpurgis for Walpurgis Night. Mm-hmm. And no, uh, I was... It, had to work on a project and it got too late and I was too tired and it was like, oh, damn. <laughs> so, not that I can't watch it any other time, but I mean, you know. But it's not the same. Yeah. It's like watching a world movie on a night of a full moon. That's cool, you know. Yes. But tonight we're talking about The Wicker Man, the original, the only movie called Wicker Man, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yes. this is. There can be only one. <laughs> That happens often, doesn't it, with these things? True. Very true. If you've never seen this movie, and we'll say this again three or four times before we're done. I'm sure. Uh, seek it out and watch it. Uh, I believe it's on it's on Netflix right now, isn't it? It is. Not the extended cut, yeah. but the theatrical Which we watch. There's two cuts of it. There's the theatrical cut and the director's cut or extended cut uh, is what they call it, I believe. And that's what we watched tonight. Mm-hmm. Just before we started doing this. Indeed. And I think the DVD is still available. I'll have to check on that and make sure that it has both cuts on it. The one we've got came, God, oh God we got, I don't know, 20 years ago now? A long time ago. Yeah, it comes in this really cool wooden box. With the Wicker Man image wood burned on the front. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. This is really a nice presentation. The movie itself is a nice presentation. The theatrical cut, nice, crisp, and clean. The extended cut, unfortunately, isn't quite as clean because it was put together th- from, I think, three different sources. Yeah. So the quality varies. And even the footage that's the theatrical cut footage isn't up to snuff as far as the actual theatrical cut. Yeah. But it's not bad. It's not hard to watch. It's not blurry or grainy. It's just it's a little grainy in some yeah, scenes. Yeah, some of the scenes are it does. It's not off-putting. Well, I mean, it tells you the extended scenes are the... The quality are be is the lower poor. Quality yeah, footage, exactly. Yeah. And, and you expect that the the extra stuff that you didn't see in the theatrical, theatrical cut. I can't speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can see why it was cut out. Yeah, some of it it does go on a little bit, but some of it, but nice. some of it I like. Some of it is some nice, a uh, little more character yeah, of yeah. the lead, right. uh, Edward Woodward's character, yeah. Howie, Sergeant Howie, Howie, yeah, Neil Howie, is his name, indeed. Well, so we've jumped right in here, yeah. so uh, well, I, I imagine most people kind of know what this is, but maybe well, they don't. Let me hit the cast real quick, since I just mentioned Edward Woodward. You okay. got Edward Woodward, been in tons of stuff. Yep. Christopher Lee, if you don't know who Christopher Lee is, and you're listening to this podcast, cut it off, and go do some research, because everybody <laughs> in the world should know who Christopher <laughs> Lee is. He's been in every goddamn thing <laughs> and he's an amazing person yeah and a fascinating yeah fascinating just human being in general yeah. uh legendary this came out in 73 so he'd done quite a few yeah. hammer horror stuff up before this yeah 
Uh, and speaking of Hammer Horror, Ingrid Pitt mm-hmm. has, has a, a small part in this, but a memorable part. Indeed. That bathtub scene. Oh, my God. Uh, well, and then, it's Ingrid Pitt, period. It's Ingrid Pitt. That's right. <laughs> and then uh, Britt Eklund. Right. Who's the ass dance scene is just. But it's not her ass. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the illusion that it's, it's her ass stunt, is there. Stunt ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what we're talking about here is there is she has this this great nude scene in this movie where she's singing this this Celtic folk song and seducing Edward Woodward through the wall trying in the to, other room yeah. trying to and it's really it's hot. I mean, it's it's, pretty it's cool, a great yeah. scene. But she's shot mainly from like the waist up. So she's, you know, fully nude. Mm-hmm. She had no problem with that. But apparently she was a little pregnant at the time. And there's two conflicting stories about why they didn't shoot from the waist down. One, she was a little pregnant and she didn't want to be seen below the, the waist. Mm-hmm. And another is that the producers or whatever didn't think she had a big enough butt or didn't you know, oh. <laughs> like the other, the body doubles rear in oh, better. Gotcha. So, and, and there's probably two or three other Right. Rumors. Who knows? But regardless, when she turns around and you see her from the back doing what we over the years have referred to as the ass dance, uh, that's a body double. It's pretty flawless, though. Yeah. You can't tell. No. The hair's perfect. The body type is exactly. And it looks like it could be her butt. Yeah. You know, and it's a great, really seductive little scene. And she's hot. So you got that. Well done. But it plays into the story. Mm -hmm. It's not like gratuitous at all. Mm Mm-mm. It's a very important part of the story because it, it could have been a turning point and the movie could have been over. Yeah, true. Uh, what would have happened? So let's go let's go on to that. Let's talk about the plot a little bit so mm-hmm. we can, you know, see how that fits into it. Yes. W- would you care to start? Well, <laughs> in the extended cut, it starts out with Howie, Sergeant Howie showing up at his police station, I guess. On the mainland. In his, on the mainland, right. Flying in on his, uh, what are those, what are those planes called? Um, uh, the planes that land yeah, on water. Those plane, things. Water plane. Yeah, those things. <laughs> the land on water. We're so smart. <laughs> not a pilot. I'm not a pilot. Anyway, so he comes in onto the mainland and uh, you get a little bit of introduction to him and his character and the fact that he's engaged to this woman named Mary and they're not having sex before marriage and. Or ha- have never had sex before marriage. Right. They have never, and they're they're planning on waiting, and he's... Uh, Deeply religious he's guy. He's very religious. Christian he's apparently religious. A, a pastor or minister of some sort. You in see him... Time. Yeah, in his spare time. In addition to being a sergeant in the police force, he's also a pastor. So you get a little bit of background on him yeah. in the extended cut, which you don't get in the theatrical cut. The theatrical cut takes up where, where this... The pl- comes in taking off where the plane takes off and he's going mm -hmm, he's going to summer isle which you learn in the extended cut that uh, a little girl is missing he's been sent a letter he's been sent a letter from someone supposedly someone who lives on summer isle has sent him a letter saying that this this little girl rowan morrison has been missing for months and they would like him to come and find her i don't recall i don't think he questions at all why the letter was sent to him and not just the police department yeah he doesn't he just get takes it i question and goes. immediately yeah he just but takes anyway. it and goes well i assumed and and that's me assuming things mm-hmm. you know that um somebody there knew him but of course he goes there nobody and knows signed him. anonymously right yeah yeah 
So that you only get that in the extended cut. So then the theatrical version, you you know, he takes off and he goes to Summer Isle and you get there. As soon as he lands in the water, he needs to get a dinghy sent out to him to to go to the mainland. And of course, immediately things are weird. Yeah, the the townies don't want to send him a boat at first. Right. It's private property. They don't want him on the island at all. And they say he has to have the express permission of Lord Summer Isle. Mm -hmm. And he's like, "Uh, nope, I'm the police. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, there's been a, a disappearance, and we're here. To, I'm here to investigate. I have the authority to do it. So they reluctantly they send a boat out to him, and bring him ashore, and he, he shows, questions them. Yeah, he shows the little girl's and, picture uh, around, and everybody's like, "Nope, nope, never seen her. Don't know her. Yeah. She doesn't live here." No, no, never seen her before. I don't know the face either. You know Kenny. <clears throat> she doesn't belong to this island. No, I never saw her before. Oh, she doesn't belong here at all, Johnny. Yeah. And he says something about the mother's name. He says, oh, her, I know her. <laughs> the mother's name is May Morrison. Oh, May. She quite slipped my memory. Of course we've got May. She keeps the post office in the high street. May Morrison. You're quite sure? Quite sure. Well, thank you for your help. That's not May's daughter, though. And then they're all, like, have this, like, this knowing grin, mm-hmm. this shit-eating kind of knowing grin at him when he asks a question, they just don't want to answer it. Right there. It you is, should just know. It, if you ever see, if you're around a group of people in a place you've never been, and the townies give you that that grin, <laughs> turn around and leave. Because bad shit's going to happen, and it's going to happen to you. Yeah. Every damn movie that happens just like that. Well, chances <laughs> are you should have left should... and gone and gotten help. And then come back. That's right. You you just shouldn't go to the the isolated island on your own to investigate disappearing girls. I mean, that's just bad form. Take a partner, you yeah, know, well, something. That's okay. But yes. But when you see when the, you grin the grin from a, a group of people, <laughs> that crazy glassy-eyed grin, get the hell out of Dodge. That's right. But no, he's like, he's determined to do you know, his right. mission. Yeah. So he goes on and... Meet some of the other townies. Yeah. So, you know, long story short, we yeah. can go on in, in lots of detail and maybe we'll give some scenes as we go. But he meets the mother, of course, of who, well, we assume the suppose, mother. Suppose the mo- supposed mother of the girl that he's sent to Yeah. Call. Mrs. Morrison. You know, we never did meet the father, did we? No. no. Anyway, uh, she says she doesn't have a daughter named Rowan. You meet the other, her other daughter, daughter, Myrtle. And there's no Rowan. No one knows who Rowan is. There's no Rowan. Eventually, he's investigating at the the school where all these other girls are. And he forcefully takes the roll book from the teacher. There's an empty desk in, in the classroom in the middle of the class. Yeah. And so he's he's suspicious, you know, because classrooms are always completely full. But whatever. Yeah. And so he he looks through the roll book and sure enough, he sees Rowan's name listed from you know last semester yeah. or whatever. You're liars. You are despicable little liars. I think you ought to know. And you are the biggest liar of all. And so now, now we know there's also, a Rowan and the teacher admits yeah, it. And also that he walks up and the teacher is teaching the class about fertility rights. Yeah, because it's May Day. And they, they're seeing the Maypole. And teaching about what, yeah, what the Maypole represents the... The guy's phallic junk. symbol. <laughs> yeah. She didn't say it represents a guy's It's junk. a phallic symbol. <laughs> she Actually, phallic she symbol. says the penis. Yeah. <laughs> phallic symbol. The phallic symbol. That is correct. It is the image of the penis 
which is venerated in religions such as ours as symbolizing the generative force in nature. And he's kind of disgusted, like, why are you teaching them? Why are you teaching them? Blah, blah, blah. And she says, well, this is our religion. Yeah. This is what we believe in. You right. Know, and of course, he's and... flipping out because this whole time he's seen all kinds of crazy pagan heathen things oh, that yeah. he just can't stand. People having sex on the yard. and Yeah. And in, it's in the middle of the night, but it's a bunch of people in this field just, and, and not way out in a field, just like off the road. Yeah. Having sex, you know, just boom. And looking up and going, pretty much, sup. Yeah, yeah. The the barmaids initiated this younger boy into his, his manhood. manhood. They, and, yeah, they bring yeah, all the, kinds of stuff. Lord Summers, I'll uh, bring this uh, lucky son of a bitch, uh, <laughs> young guy, to be made a man of by Britt Eklund. That's right. I mean, so all kinds of things that yeah. go completely against everything now, he believes. Let's explain in. though, the, the Isle Summers Isle mm-hmm. is this island, this Gaelic island, somewhere mm-hmm. in Scotland, off the coast somewhere. Mm-hmm. That. Uh, subscribes to the old religions, the That's pagan right. religions, and you know there's a god of air, water, earth, the elements, and all that stuff, and they depend on please, you know, favor of the the gods for a good harvest, and their harvest is everything to that town. Yeah, they harvest the apple harvest apples, and yeah. whatever else, barley, whatever. In, in, in that's rigs, what, yeah, which that's the what song. Su- that's what supports the yeah. entire and island. And it supports yeah, the the whole economy and livelihood. And just life of that town. If they don't have a good harvest, they don't eat. They don't have any export. There's no money coming to the town. And, you know, it's bad. So their religion, what they're taught and what all of them believe in, it goes, is the old religions. Mm -hmm. And they have to, like I said, appease the the gods for the good harvest or draw favor of the gods, whatever you want to put it. Mm -hmm. And this is totally alien to sergeant howie that's right because he's this stout you know strict christian and yep you know the one true god and they're like what well, well that's your one true god right <laughs> yeah. and uh, i uh, the, the line where uh he talks to christopher lee who was lord summer summer's isle and he says something again about the one true god jesus christ in his, yeah. his, his scottish accent and he says He's dead. I don't think I mind. And yeah. another one, he says, well, he had his chance or something like yeah. that. Oh, it's just, yeah, Sergeant Howie didn't know how to handle that. He was he was just flabbergasted. So through a series of events. Yeah. It goes on and he's, this investigation and the whole time this movie, the, it's it's a slow burn. It is. It is. And you, But he's, he's doing the investigation. Yeah. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a horror film. It's a well, bit, not, but it's not, not yet. yet. It, you, it's it's yeah. more of a murder mystery kind of. It's a very different. It's not a Hammer film that you're used to. No, seeing. No, not at all. Not but at all. It plays out as as it goes through the whole thing. It's more like like just a mystery he's trying to solve. Yeah. And you're not. And you're with him, the whole time mm-hmm. because the girl he got sent this thing. A picture of the girl. The girl's missing. Nobody wants to have anything to do with him. Mm-hmm. They are all snowing him at every turn. He gets co- contradictions from people. Yep. And he's in this alien world pretty much that he you know these people are like having this fertility dance around kind of a stone a small stone hinge yep All just naked. off the road yeah these young girls and he jumping doesn't know across how to the handle bonfire. it but to them it's perfectly natural and this is just 
It's what you do. And he he uh, comes into Lord Summer Isle's mansion and castle, and Christopher Lee says something about the young girls. Oh, didn't the sight of them refresh you? But they, they are are naked. Naturally, it's much too dangerous to jump through the fire with your clothes on. That's something else. But anyway, so yeah, it continues on. He keeps getting contradicting information. Eventually, the teacher admits that Rowan was there. The people somehow admit that, yes, she was there. And uh, I think he sees the doctor and the doctor, he says, how did she die? Because he's convinced she's dead. How did she die? And he says she was burned alive. Yeah. And so now he's trying to find her body, and they say that she was buried in the yeah. not the churchyard, yeah. but anyway. Yeah. So they exhume her body, As and the there's no body. Off, yeah. They snow him at first, yeah. Lie to him, then he gets little bits, and and he doesn't. He does, but he doesn't flip out about. Wait a minute, why should I believe this much? Yeah, you know. But he does. He, he takes whatever scrap they give him. He does, and he keeps going after it. At the, no point does he start questioning. Why am I believing why this I, now? Yeah, why yeah. is this going on? What's, I don't this know is why. Because you know? he's not a stupid man. No, no. But he's he's hell bent on his mission of finding. He is, girl. and I think he's so thrown by what's going on around him. It throws off his judgment. He's, yeah. yeah, I think it it really does. Well, he is t- complete fish out of water in this. He is, yeah. But uh, yeah, so he exhumes the body. Yep. They open the casket, and there's a hare there. Yeah. Rabbit, a hare. Mm-hmm. And of course, the guy who's helping him exhume it is giggling like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Which is unsettling. Yeah. So then it goes on. They're going to have their May Day, their Beltane Festival, that the next day. And he's supposed to go home, but he stays and he goes and searches every house in well, the town. Well, his plane won't start. So, oh, yeah, yeah. His plane won't start. That's one thing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And so he goes back and he's going to search every house in town before the festival starts. Now, I have got a problem with that because, like I said, when you're watching, I'm like, you know, he announced he was going to search every house in town. If they were trying to hide her, they could just move her around and he'd never find her. <laughs> right. She would just be sitting in a closet somewhere waiting to be found. You know? Yeah. But he had to have something to do. Right. So, Anyhow. So he goes about searching. Eventually, he takes on the guise of, uh, you know, because everybody's in masks. And for costumes. Yeah, yeah. So, so he so- takes on the guise of the uh, the innkeeper's. The fool. Uh, fool costume. Yeah. So he he does that, and eventually they make their way to the the shore, and to their last sacrifice. And lo and behold, who should they bring out but Rowan? Rowan. So he runs up the hill to her in the mouth of his cave, grabs her, unties alive her, alive and well. And she says, "Oh, please, Mister Policeman, help me! I don't like it here." And he's like, "We've got. I'm going to get you out of here." She said, "Go this way. We can get out. I know the way." And they run into the cave, and they go through the in the dark, and they finally climb out on top through the top of the cave. Mm-hmm. And Summers Isle and Ingrid and the school teacher are waiting for him up there. Yeah. And here's where it flips. Completely. This is where it starts to become a horror movie. Right. The whole hour, hour and a quarter, hour and a, 20 minutes or whatever. Well, it's only like 90 some minutes. Yeah, but it's like the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Up up to now, it's a slow burn mystery. Mm-hmm. At this point, on a dime, it's a horror movie. Yeah. You find out, they get at the top, Rowan runs over to Lord Summer's house and says, I do all right? He said, oh, you did wonderful, you did perfect. <laughs> and Howie's like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, what? he's just real confused. And then Christopher Lee starts to explain to him that we brought you here. You came here to find Rowan Morrison, but it is we who have found you and brought you here. This was all orchestrated. 
we've controlled your every move since every you stepped foot on this thought. island. And he's like trying to process all this. What? And you're watching it going, oh shit, they did. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And he, from the get-go, before the movie even started, he was going to be their sacrifice. Right. And that's the horror mm-hmm. right there. Because he thought he was trying to find and help this girl. And now they're going to burn him alive. Right. And this whole part where he even tries to get away a little bit, but they catch him and he's in complete shock and disbelief. So he's not really trying real hard. No. And he plays it pretty good, I think. Yeah, yeah, you know? he does. And they even, they've got him, they're holding him stiff on, you know, on the, the shoreline there. And they take his costume off, take his clothes off and like wash him, put a little paint on his chest and his face and then put him in the, you know, ceremonial white tunic uh, mm-hmm. uh, robe thing. Yep. And they carry him up to the wicker man. He tries to fight, but not real hard. And of course, he starts spouting his belief about the one true God and Jesus Christ and yeah. the afterlife. And and they put him in the wicker man and they lock him in there and then they set it on fire. And him, this whole point of him realizing what's happening to him mm-hmm. and no choice but to accept it. Because he can't get out. Yeah, but he the entire town is there. He can't get away. And seeing him in the wicker in the wicker man and the fire coming, creeping up to him, closer to him, and him, that's horrific. Yeah, it is is. a horror movie at that that last little bit. And and everybody in the town is is swaying side to side and singing and and smiling some jaunty song because they're going to have a good harvest and their town's going to be you know safe for another year and. Yeah, it's creepy and horrible mm-hmm. at that, right at that point. It's a great little film. I mean, I, I've loved it since the first time I saw it, God, back in the 90s mm-hmm. at some point. I think Tony and I watched it. I don't know if Tony had seen it already or if we watched it the first time together. Mm-hmm. But it was my first time seeing it. Anyway. Oh, okay. And, oh, yeah, I was just like, wow. I mean, ass dance aside, that, that, alone, <laughs> that alone is worth the price of the ticket right there. <laughs> but uh, but the movie itself, like I said, it's a slow, this super slow burn. Not boring. Eh, maybe a couple really, there's, really sluggish spots. There's some slow points, but there's so, yeah. you've got to pay attention because so much is really happening that you don't realize is happening until yeah. later. And you're going to kick yourself if you don't pay attention. Oh, yeah. You or got, you're going to have to watch it again. Yeah, you have to pay attention to it. And the performances are, are compelling. They are very good. Everybody's great in it. Even even the the small, even the ancillary one, people. One, yeah. Yep. And some of them were locals. Yeah, that's you right. Know? But you get to that last part, and you're like, your jaw is just like, oh. Yeah. And if you have not seen it, and we just killed the ending for you, I'm sorry, <laughs> because <laughs> if if you did not know the plot going in, and you did not know the end, that is the a fantastic reveal. Yeah. You know. Um, I mean, it's not like it's not like a, a twist Twilight Zone Serling reveal, but it's just one of those like, oh, like yeah. a, like your a, your stomach sinks. Right. Well, it's it's not a feel good movie. You you don't come out of this feeling good. Oh, no, no. I mean, movie ends and you're not happy. Well, it ends with the Wicker Man burning and him screaming, "God save me, Jesus Christ!" And, and that's it. Yeah. And it was some great shots of it burning. The cinematography is excellent. Yeah. There. Yeah, it really is. Well, and, you know, we were talking about the ass dance and how she was trying to seduce him uh-huh. earlier. And that could have changed the entire, yeah, not only the movie, but their whole plan. Yeah. So why was she trying to seduce him? What would they have done? Would they have burned I, Rowan? I don't know. Maybe they were. she was just trying to just 
Because for him, for him to be the sacrifice, not only did he, I guess, have to be the type yeah. of man, because they make a point of saying you have to be this type of oh, yeah. man. Well, they research. They said they researched him. Right. So you know, he had to be this type time. of man and he had to be a virgin. Yeah. So if he had given in and had sex with the what was her name? I can't remember. Anyway, with the beautiful woman the next door. Daughter. Yeah, the innkeeper's daughter. Yeah. That's a different movie. <laughs> the <laughs> landlord's daughter. Yeah, that's, that's the song it. they sing. If he had given in and had sex with her, then, of course, he wouldn't be a virgin. Yeah. So they couldn't have used him for the sacrifice. So well, their whole plan yeah. would have gone awry. And think, she was in on the plan. So I think she was doing that for us, the viewer. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I think she was she was doing that to to get under him. his skin. Just to tempt him. And... Well, to tempt him, to make sure he was the one they wanted. Yeah. Because if he wasn't, then they the sacrifice would have been... Pfft. You know, wouldn't yeah. work because he, like you said, he had True. to be this specific type of person. Yeah, and also I think to throw him because then now he's all worked up, mm-hmm. can't think straight. Yeah, that's true. You know, he's got blue balls. These he's, are true. You know, night true sweats statements. now, and he's just he's thrown completely thrown off his game, whatever game he had left at that point. Yeah, and, well, and then they're him? like, Ugh. okay, he's the guy. Yeah, but you're right though. If he would. Ha- he, if he would have succumbed to his base desires, yeah. Let me just say, I wouldn't have ended up in the Wicker Man burning. <laughs> it wouldn't. I wouldn't have been at the end of that movie. I would have been on on a plane home the next morning. Well, I mean, they would have so, said, "See ya." So okay, had you been Sergeant Howie, <laughs> then they'd have been screwed. Yeah, or it, or then they, I guess they would have had to sacrifice Rowan. Yeah, I mean, I know that would, wasn't their plan, but what yeah, else would they know. do? If he would have given in, yeah, and slept with her that night, did they have a backup plan? Or were they that sure that it wouldn't happen? I'm guessing they were that sure because yeah. he, the age he was and hadn't had sex at this point and had a fiance. Yeah. So I yeah. think they were, they were, to them, it was a sure bet. Yeah, and she I, was doing. It. She right. wasn't doing it with the intent, thinking at all that he was he would have come over there, but just to mess with his head. Yeah, and maybe she wouldn't have gone through with it if he had or something. I yeah. don't know. I mean, you know, we could we could speculate like said, all day. If I was he just did, curious. they would have known that. Okay, what well, he's not going to work. Right. It's not clear if they ever had a backup plan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's not enough movie time. Yeah. <laughs> to to right. ha- to have any kind of story of that going on. Yeah. Well, and during the movie at the end, um, there are pictures of all the harvests and each year, I don't know how they determine who takes the picture with the harvest. No, it wasn't. Remember, we watched. It's in the middle of the movie. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. You said at the end. Remember. Oh, I thought. I'd, okay, sorry. We were talking about that earlier. Yes. Well, what I was getting at is what we remembered. But anyway, so in the end. Oh, I said in. Oh, in. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said in. I-N-N. I'm a little tired. Yeah. So at the end, there are pictures on the wall of each harvest. And I don't know how they determined like who the harvest, the harvest or whatever is going to be. Yeah. But one of the young ladies takes a picture with the, the bountiful harvest every year. And one year is missing. And it happens to be the year that Rowan. This previous year. Yes. And the previous year, that was the year that Rowan apparently took the picture. And it was a bad harvest. There was hardly any yeah. any bounty. So, Rob and I both, separately of e- each other, After were the movie trying was over, to yeah. find the picture. Because I swear I remember I, seeing at a the picture end, I swear of I Rowan. See, like, 
over the not Rowan, but somebody the, the next closing year. credits or something like yeah. after the last shot of the Wicker Man. I swear to God, I remember seeing them go go back to like the picture of this coming. Yeah, the harvest. next year after and he's been bountiful. killed, and it's tons of yeah. yeah. I remember that. I know I do. I and have I just like made it up in my mind, but you must have too because we didn't yeah. collaborate. I this. will. You know what? I'll, I'll drop Tony a message and see if he remembers it. Yeah, do that. And you know, I'm thinking. I swear I remember it. I cannot remember what it looks like. It wasn't like. something at the end of the credits, was it? We didn't watch no. the credits all the way through. Well, I know the theatrical cut we did. Oh, that's true. I mean, I had it on fast forward, but we were watching yeah. it. Yeah. It's going to drive me nuts. Um, I'm I'm trying to remember the first time we watched it. It had to have been on VHS. Yeah. And I'm wondering if there's... Because you remember we're on the, the DVD that we watched has uh, a nice little like 35-minute featurette mm-hmm. interviews with the cast in the early 2000s on the making of. And there was a lot of stuff about different cuts of the movie. Right. And how it was recut a couple of times and footage was lost and watched the documentary for all that because it's too much for us to go into. Yeah, right absolutely. Because there's so much of it is is why. Not and because we're lazy or anything. Yeah. No, it's really interesting <laughs> but, stuff. Yeah, and, and it's definitely... Recommended, worth a watch, and but they talk about that had the different cuts of it and all that. So maybe I don't know. Maybe the VHS cut it was in that. I don't know. Maybe I, I know. If it anybody happened. who's listening knows, you know, yeah, and has seen tell it, us. <laughs> yeah, say something. So you know, drop us a line on the Facebook page, so we know we're not crazy, or tell us that we are crazy and we're imagining the whole damn thing. Yeah, I, um, just need some confirmation, crazy. damn it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, now, after the fact. Yeah. This is really kind of cool. You know, the boat with the eye on it? Yeah. Whatever the, not all-seeing eye. I forget what it was called. No, that's Sauron. Yeah. Where the, <laughs> Christopher Lee. Yeah, right. Anyway, that, that dinghy that takes picks him up and takes him out with the eye on it? Yeah. That wasn't a prop. That was already that in That was town. their boat? That was there in that oh, town. Oh, that's hilarious. And the director ever said, oh, we got to use that. <laughs> nice. Another thing is, you know, when Sergeant Howie goes, walks in that graveyard and looking for her the first time. Yeah. And he sees the woman sitting by the tombstone breastfeeding the baby and holding the egg in her hand, which yeah. is supposed to be some do- symbolic of fertility or trying, wanting to be fertile again to have another baby. Yeah. And he walks up and he, there's like apple boxes or something on uh, one of the crypts or whatever. Mm-hmm. He knocks them all off and he gets a piece of the wood and he fashions a cross and lays it on the, the tombstone. Mm-hmm. Apparently, years later, like a lot of years later, Edward Woodward went back and to visit lo- the locations where they filmed for mm-hmm. and did some interviews and stuff, and that rotting piece of wood cross was still laying there. That he put oh, there. wow. Yeah. How cool is that? That's awesome. Another thing that's really cool is that Christopher Lee did the movie for free. Oh, yeah. He didn't get paid for the movie. Right. He loved... By choice. By choice. He loved the script. Mm-hmm. He loved the story in the movie, and he thought it was going to be something really special. And as he said in the interview, he said... If he asked for his regular fee, and I guess the director or somebody else also didn't take, either right. didn't take their yeah, regular fee or did it for free. Right. If they would have taken their, their regular asking fees, the budget of the movie would have been much lower. Yeah. And they wouldn't have been able to afford other people, wouldn't have been able to make the movie they made. Right. Christopher Lee also has stated many times, this is, if not one of, if not his favorite movie that he's made. Oh, wow. Yeah. He he really likes this movie. Well, and he knew the content. I thought that was a, a funny statement in the oh, yeah. interview where 
I don't know. Was somebody giving him the the story? Well, he, the, the guy who was uh, the two guys or the guy who was writing the movie. So I don't know. If it, they were in the, writing it in the states or they were writing in England. They called him across the pond, whichever way it, the call went. Yeah. And they said, "Hey, Christopher, I'm writing. This, got the script." And he they said, just "What's gave it called?" The title. He said, "He's called the Wicker Man." And he said, oh, is that about uh, fertility rights and sacrifice and blah, 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 blah. And that guy's like, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Chris really already knew the lore and everything. <laughs> also, too, this is something really cool I found out, is that when they went to publicize the movie in the United States, Chris really paid his own expenses in his own way to get to do a press junket to publicize the movie. Nice. Yeah. He, he had that much faith in the project and, and li- yeah. liked it so much. Classy guy. Yeah. Well, and I, I remember we were talking about it that he, they originally wanted to get Roger Corman, and Corman was interested in distributing. Oh, yeah, to it. distribute in the stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess somebody came in and and offered them more money. Yeah. So the 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 big wigs went with more money instead of Roger Corman. I would like to have seen what Roger Corman would have done oh, to yeah. distribute well, it. It was I don't know. It was I can't remember all the people and all the people in that documentary. Uh, but one of the producers or somebody was like, you know, like, I wish we could have got Corman to distribute it because he would have done, he wouldn't have spent much money acquiring the rights yeah. to, to distribute it, but he would have spent a lot of money publicizing it yeah. to distribute it. And he said it probably would have got a bigger release. Mm-hmm. And it develops a cult following over the years and yeah, now. Yeah, sure. But then it did okay. Yeah. You know, and they but they didn't release it. And, and of course it was cut to death. Right. A lot of different cuts of it. Like they, you know, crap happened back then. Oh, and the the saddest thing that happened. Oh, casting-wise? No. Oh. The negative. Oh, the original negative was thrown away. And not just thrown away. Yeah. They were, the studio, was it Shepherd's? I can't remember the name. Anyway, the studio that housed the, the prints, the, the negatives, the ownership changed or something and they were okay clean out all the old stuff out of the vault the the scraps of film Mm -hmm. and stuff hanging around the negative print of the wicker man was happened to be in there or got put in there or something and got lumped in with it and it was used as filler when they were building the whatever big highway there 63 i think yeah so somewhere under some asphalt is the negative film cans yeah Uh, christopher lee did not believe does not believe or did not believe that that was the negative really? or the only negative. He said in that documentary, he said, I believe that somewhere it is, somebody has it and somebody knows about it <laughs> and it's on a shelf somewhere. Oh, wow. Yeah. But what I was getting ready to say, one of the, Oh, oh yes. I know what you're talking awesome. about. Awesome. <laughs> Even though Edward Woodward did a fantastic job. He did. He did. He's a solid actor. Yep. Everything I've seen him in, boom, delivers the goods, you know. Mm-hmm. And this is no exception. But they originally wanted Peter Cushing oh my God. to play the part of Sergeant Howie. Can you imagine that? Would have been a little different film. It would have. I mean, it would have been a, a tighter film yeah, and probably a little more intense. But he already was committed to other projects yeah. when they started doing this. So that would have been amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, because Pete, yeah, I'll watch Pete read the phone book. Yeah, no kidding. You know, he was just awesome. Yeah, well, you know, Man, Peter Cushing and on, Christopher hey, Lee. Had Darth Vader on a leash. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Chased Dracula out of his own castle with nothing but a tweed suit on. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Pete. Yeah, this so is, good. It's This is a great film. 
think I watched maybe five minutes of that horrible remake. And I just... Was that that was Nicolas Cage, right? Yeah. I like Nicolas Cage. A lot of people don't. I like Nicolas Cage and stuff. He seems like a neat guy. He's done some fun movies. But this movie could not be remade. I'm sorry. And did not need to be remade. Well, especially not like like they were trying to remake it. I don't know. I think I got further into it than you did, but I've since yeah. forgotten it completely. I don't remember anything about okay, it. Okay, we're done talking about that. Yeah, done. Um, <laughs> that works for me. Yeah, it's just a fantastic film. And seek it out. It it should still be available. I, you know, I didn't look. Usually I look it up on Amazon or whatever to see if I can find it. But eh, you can do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can <laughs> it watch the It may be theatric- on YouTube, but you it's on Netflix. You can watch theatrical though. on Netflix. Yeah, it's so. on Netflix. So you can check it out on that. And, you know, during this shit show where we're all sitting at home, watch a good movie. Yep. Watch an old movie. When they were Find really... something you've never seen before. Yeah. And if you've never seen this one, man, check it out. And if you haven't seen it in a lot of years, revisit it. Yep. That's awesome. So that's about all I got to say about that. I suppose so. I think all we have is one thing left to do. Okay. Yep, we've got to prove once again that the world revolves around Planet of the Apes. We discovered this many years ago, Clayton and I, one of my oldest and closest friends in the whole world, we discovered that the world revolves around Planet of the Apes. You can connect anything back to the original Planet Apes in just a few steps. Sometimes quite a few steps, but usually just a few steps. (laughs) So at the end of most episodes here, Phyllis throws me somebody or something from the movie that we're talking about, and I connect it back to Planet Apes. So let's go. Let's do... I'm pretty sure we've done Ingrid Pitt and Christopher Lee before. I guess we're left with Edward Woodward. Okay. I'm not entirely familiar with a lot of his work that I can remember off the top of my head. Because I'm sure he's probably done something as a direct line. Mm-hmm. Let me think a second. You can do it. Okay. Edward Woodward mm-hmm. was in Hot Fuzz with Simon Pegg. He was? Okay. Simon Pegg was Scotty in the Star Trek remake, and mm-hmm. Leonard Nimoy was in that. Leonard Nimoy, of course, is Spock in the original Star Trek, and Mark Leonard played Sarak. His father, Mark Leonard, was Urko on the Planet Apes TV series. Well, there you have it. That, that's not a way I <laughs> foresaw you going, but there you have it. Well done, sir. Oh, then there we have it. You have once again proven that the world does indeed revolve around Planet of the Apes. Hey, and you know, while you're home, watch one of the original Planet Apes movies, too. Why not? <laughs> what the hell? So that's all for tonight. I guess um, so. Hey, you know, uh, before we go, Definitely check out the Phantasmo After Dark Facebook page. I'll be posting a bunch of pictures from this after the um, the podcast is posted. Probably throw the trailer on there. Any other cool odds and ends I can find relating to it. Mm-hmm. Or drop us a line at the Phantasmo After Dark email, phantasmoad at gmail.com, phantasmode, all one word, at gmail.com. And uh, let us know how we're doing or if we should, you know, go to hell and stop talking or if you like <laughs> what we're saying or, you know, if you have, hey, a suggestion of something we should watch and talk about, that'd be cool too. Love hearing from people. That's about it for me. How about you? I think that will do it. All right. Well, till next time, everybody. Thanks for listening. Good night. Good night.